we'll, we're going to bounce around in a few scriptures this morning, but I would take my main text from uh, the book of St. John. It's a passage of scripture we all know probably very well, or you've heard the story when you was a little child. But I want us to listen to it today, and I want us to hear about it, and it comes out of the book of St. John and in the sixth chapter. And as you're turning there, think about what one person can do when they realize the power that they have within themselves. And I'm not talking about a power that has been placed upon you because of a degree or because of a badge or because of any. I'm talking about the power that we have because of the Holy Spirit that indwells us. And when we think about that, I I think about Helen Keller, you know, she said, I am only one, but I am still one, and I cannot do everything, but I still can do something. And because I cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do the one thing or the something that I can do. A lot of us today have that insecurity like that. Often we're overwhelmed by a sense of a personal insecurity or insignificance. We feel like, who am I? I want to tell you who you are. You are so much so that a king would bleed and die for you. You are so much so that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. Don't dare question who you are. He loved you enough that he died for you. But we do, don't we? We have so often a sense of uh, insignificance. You know, we, we have problems maybe in our mind. We feel that we're not capable or we're not worthy. So often when a person starts doing like that, they, they feel useless then. And you know what? And we start going over in our own minds what we don't feel that we have. And when we start going over these things, we, well, well, God, I'm just not good with words. Somebody else is good with words. God, I, I'm not good talking to people. God, I, I, that's not me or, or, or whatever. God, I'm not good answering questions about the Bible. What if somebody was to ask me a question? God, so I'm not good. So we feel insignificant. So we just don't do these things. And, and, and we just kind of go down the list about our mental insecurities until we get to the point to where we say, well, I'm justified in that because I'm just one. Somebody will. Somebody will do that. Let me ask you a question. Are you saved? If you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, are you a believer in Christ? Do you realize that the Holy Spirit lives within you and that it's not that you do, but it's what the Holy Spirit does? Part of the Trinity lives in you. And when you lose that and when you're aware of that and when you realize that it's He that's in you, greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. That's Scripture. And when we realize these things, my friend, our insecurities... (laughs) I'm speaking from experience. When the Lord started dealing with me about putting a calling on my life to preach, I said, I can't preach. And then I told him I won't preach. See who won. But we won't go there. Uh, uh, But listen today. Do you realize as the Holy Spirit, Paul said, I can do all things in Philippians 4.13, many life verses. I think of my sister Roxy. Many of you knew her 
and, and, and she passed away in October of 2012. Uh, uh, but she battled cancer uh, for 12 years when she was given two months at most to live when she was diagnosed. And she battled that. And not only did she battle it, but she traveled the country. And she spoke to women who were battling a condition like hers. And she told them, you've got to believe in some power named Jesus that's greater than all other things. You've got to believe that you can do these things. Oh man, friend, you might say, well, why didn't the Lord heal her? <laughs> he gave her the ultimate healing. He gave her the ultimate healing. He gave her a journey. He put her on a journey that lasted over seven years when she was only supposed to live two months. But he put her on a journey that lasted over seven years, and that journey even went outside of this country. And as she would speak, and you know what she did? She always talked about her faith in Christ. Now, this is not about my sister Roxy. I'm just telling you the power of one. Don't let your, you might well say, if I only felt better, if I only didn't have this, if God calls you, listen, you, he made you able. When God put his Holy Spirit in you, he already qualified you. So don't say, I'm not good enough. Don't say, I don't know in the scripture. Don't say, God is the one that's wanting to use your voice as a vessel. He's wanting to use your voice. He's wanting to use your hands. He's wanting to use your feet. How is his word proclaimed today? Through us. Yeah. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Paul got it. Helen Keller got it. You know what? They realized they couldn't do everything, but they could do something. And whatever that one thing is they needed to do, they were going to do it. And it didn't matter. Paul went on to say that Christ was going to be magnified in his life. Whether it's by his life or by his death, it didn't matter. He was still going to magnify Christ. Is your life a magnification of Jesus Christ in you? That's what we need to ask ourselves. That's what we, you know what? If you say, God, I want to be, I want you to be magnified in, in my life. God, I pray and I want you to be magnified in my life. Guess what? God said, I've been trying to do that. I've been trying to do that through your life. Well, let's face it. We have our personal insecurities. We have our personal things that go through our minds that make us feel like we're insignificant. Or... I can't talk the way, or I don't know, and I'm not smart, whatever it might be throughout life. My friend, we're going to realize that God is always there when you believe in Him and trust in Him as your Savior. And throughout Scripture, we find example after example of people who just one person, the power of one, what one person can do when they let go and let God. So in the book of St. John, in the first, in the sixth chapter, uh, let me see here. I want to, I'm going to condense a little bit. Um, verse 5, chapter 6. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming to him, he saith unto Philip, Philip, whence shall we buy bread and that these may eat? And he said this, to prove Philip. Philip was the treasurer, if you will, of the 12 disciples. 
uh, for this point in time here, he wanted Philip to know something. We know who the money carrier was. But at this time, in this gathering, he wanted to point something out to Philip. And he said, Philip answered, 200 penny worth. That's over, that's over, Lord, a half a year's wages of bread is not sufficient for every one of them that you want to feed here, Lord. One of the disciples, Andrew Simons, Peter's brother, said unto him, There's a lad here. There's a young boy here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? What are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make them to sit down in groups of 50. And then he, uh, as he did that, he, he brought the number in and they sat down and there was about 5,000 that had sat down. So he took these five loaves uh, of bread and two fishes here. And he took these fish and the bread and, and he said, and when they were filled, they gathered, he told his disciples to gather up the, the baskets and the fragments that remained, that nothing would be lost. And they gathered up 12 baskets. Now, what is this all about here today? There was young, one young boy there that was in the midst of 5,000. How could you pick out one young boy in 5,000, do you ever feel like you're lost in a crowd? Do you ever feel like you're in a crowd and no one sees you? But I'm going to tell you something here. Uh, this boy, uh, what do we find about him? That he made himself available and the ability, the availability that he had, God uses what you have uh, to fill a need. And I want us to see that, uh, which not could have ever been filled if we don't step forth. God will use what you have and God used who you are to let people become who they could never be. Do you understand that? God will use who you are uh, to give a word to somebody to help them to become who they could never be without that. So God will use you, either what you have, this little boy's lunch, or, or your voice. God will use you to speak out. And, and you might say, well, I'm not a preacher. God didn't call me to preach. If he saved you, he called you to do a good work. And if he saved you, he tells you to work while it's day because there's going to come a time when you won't be able to. Think about that. So ask yourself, am I making myself available to God? What's in your way? What's in your way that you're not available to God? One young boy fed with just being available. Here, Lord, you can have what I got. He fed over 5,000. And then can you see it? 12 baskets. I mean, he went to, in my mind, how I see it, he went to a little paper sack to a wagon load of fish and bread. That's what he did. That's what God will do when we say, yes, Lord, I'm making myself available to you. Then it's not about your ability, about your availability. Okay? So make yourself available. And then uh, I just want to go on because I've found a number of these and we might have to do a two-parter or I might carry it on. Uh, uh, but then there's a, uh, what about the little girl, if you will, over to 2 Kings? And I, I was just going to tell you this story, but I'm going to tell you so good. I, I just want to read you some of this. Uh, but over in 2 Kings, <clears throat> want to read about a little girl who spoke, uh, uh, there was a man named Naaman uh, in 2 Kings chapter 5. 
I'm, I'm going to read some scripture here, okay? Now Naaman, captain of the host of the Syria, king of captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable. Because of, by him the Lord had given deliverance into Syria, he was also a mighty man in valor, but Naaman was a leper. Naaman was a leper, and a leper is one of those who we read about that. That was a disease that was like in that day incurable. As a matter of fact, you were an outcast. And the Syrians had gone out by the companies and had brought away a captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid or a little girl, and she waited on Naaman's wife. So this little girl, now in my mind's eye, I'm going to picture her somewhere around 10, 12 years old. I don't really know. I don't know that it says it. But she was taken from Israel and she's brought over here into Syria and she's brought over for one person and that's to take care of Naaman, uh, this great captain of this great army. She's brought over here uh, to take care of his wife, to help her. And she begins to hear about Naaman's leprosy. And as she hears this, listen to what she says in verse 3. And she said unto her mistress, uh, uh, Naaman's wife, Would thou, my God, would God, my Lord, wear with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover from his leprosy. Going down, and the king of Syria said, Go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he thinks, well, I'll go and maybe I'll give enough money and this man will come and help me. And so he goes over and he sends this letter uh, to call out this man that this little girl says, I know someone who can heal you. I know someone who can help you. I know someone. Think about it. Uh, she was basically taken captive and she's in, the king, in this uh, uh, captain's home and she's bold enough now uh, to speak out and say, listen here, what you need, <laughs> what you need is somebody that's able to do what you can't do. So she tells that, and, and Naaman goes and tells the king of Syria, and the king of Syria says, well, I, you're important to me, uh, so let's send a letter, and let's take some money, and let's take some camels, let's take some livestock, let's do this, and we'll go over there. And then the king of Israel hears about it, and he thinks it's all a ploy, uh, because he thinks you're going to uh, do something to where we can't do it, and then you're going to confront us, you know, or there's going to be a battle. And, and so I'm just trying to hurry on down. And then and he said... Uh, because the king in Israel said, Am I God and I'm, am I able to make you a lie? So as it was so, when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes and that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him now come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel." And Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elijah sent a messenger unto him. Now listen, catch you up here. Naaman has heard, he sent somebody, and he's heard that there's this man that's able. So Naaman goes and he's at the house. And Naaman's got it figured out in his mind. Do you ever do that? 
You ever get it figured out in your mind how the Lord God is going to work and how the Lord God is going to do things and how the Lord God's going to answer your prayer? Well, it was contradictory to where Naaman had thought, so Naaman, you know, he kind of got frustrated. God will answer your prayer when you commit to your prayer and you're faithful in your prayer and you don't give up in your prayer and you let God be God and you be obedient to Him. But listen to what he says. The messenger Elijah tells him, he says, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again unto thee, and thou shalt be clean. Now Naaman got upset. He said, and Naaman was wroth and upset and went away and said, Behold, I thought, see, here we get in trouble. I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over me and place and recover the leper. That's how I thought it ought to be done. We do that a lot, don't we? That's what he thought ought to be done. But he said to go wash in Jordan. Now, wait a minute. We got a couple of rivers right here. We got a couple of rivers right. Let me just go them. When you're even told what to do, then we'd be, well, God, let me just do it this way. Let me, well, wait a minute. Right here. Let me do this. Be still and know that I'm God. Don't tell God how you want your prayer answered or it will not get answered. So he says, I thought I would surely come out and stand in, in the name of the Lord and he would put his hand on me and heal the leper. And then he went on down and he said, and his servants came near and spake unto him and said, my father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, if Elijah would have told you to go and do something really great, go climb that high mountain and get on the top and say, God is God, if you, because that would have been a terrible and discomfort. If you would have done that, you'd have done it. If he said, go climb that high mountain, you'd have done that. But he's just telling you to go, go dip yourself seven times in the river Jordan. He didn't say just any river. He said, you dip yourself seven times. He wanted to see how obedient the Naaman was going to be. Would thou not have done it? And how much rather when then he said unto thee, wash and be clean. I mean, he's, his servants are saying, listen, he's not telling you to do some great thing. He's just telling you to go over to the Jordan River, wash yourself, dip yourself seven times, and you're going to be clean. Why don't you just do it? Why don't you just do it? And he gets on down there and he says, Would thou be washed and be clean? And he said, Wash. And then he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan. And according to the saying of the man of God, his flesh came again like it into the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Behold, he said then, I know now that there is a God in all the earth, but in Israel now, therefore I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. See, when you're obedient, two stories here in this short passage. When you're obedient to what God is telling you to do, you'll get the reward of what God wants to give you. You understand that? What God is telling you to do, He will reward you in the way He wants to reward you. More than you ever thought possible. But let's go back. How did this story even start? There was a little girl... 
who was bold, bold in the Lord. And her being bold in the Lord, guess what? She spoke out and she said, you know what? I know a man. I know a man over in Israel that God is working through. And she didn't go in to say that. I'm saying, if you go over there and if you see this man, his name's Elijah. If you go over there, God is working in this man and God will do a great thing. But you've got to be willing to go over there. You've got to be willing to do what he says to do. You've got to be willing to accept what he says. And you've got to be willing to just do it. There was a girl there, as I said, maybe 10, 12 years old. I don't know. But she was at least bold enough to speak out for God. Might I say it? I have been given a who's your one by a six-year-old in this congregation. Yeah. I wish the adults would listen like the kids. Some, don't throw rocks. But I'm saying, and this one six-year-old is already asking his buddy about coming to church. How many, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have said, Pastor, here's, here's the one. Many of you turned in more than one, and that's great. Here's my one that I'm, I want you to be praying for, that we want to pray for. I put them in a ledger, and I pray over them every day. Do you at least want that to happen in your life or for your loved one? But she was bold. You know what it reminds me? The scripture says, if you confess me before my Father in heaven, huh? I will confess you before the angels of God. Yeah, Luke 12, 8. Think about that. One little girl was bold enough. What about one woman instrumental? One woman instrumental in saving an entire nation. The power of one. The power of one is really important for us, and we've got to realize I am but one. You are but one. But within you as a child of God, you have the power to do great things through him. And he do, will do them through you. Well, this one woman over here in the book of Esther and who she was. In this woman here, Esther risked her life because she was going before the king and, and her courageous act gives us that model if we should follow but. Uh, her and Mordecai uh, said after a decree, uh, there was a decree given to kill all the Jews. And, and but what she did, she decided to uh, go and she went and she asked God to place uh, uh, those people in their positions and to say, they say they seized the moment. And guess what? Esther and Mordecai believed in God's care and because they acted at the right time, God saved and there was no annihilation there. God said that he would take care of his people. But she had to speak out, wasn't she? She had to speak out. She had to be courageous. Great things were accomplished. You know what the Bible says in Deuteronomy 31, 6? Be strong and of good courage and fear not, nor be afraid of them, for the Lord thy God is with thee, and he will not fail thee nor forsake thee. You don't have a life verse, man, that's a good one. Deuteronomy 31, 6. What about you? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about one one man, instrumental in saving mankind. One man, 
He was instrumental in saving mankind from extinction. I want to just give you a verse, and I'm trying to go through these rather quickly because I think you're getting the point. Hebrews 11, chapter 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not to seen as yet, moved with fear and prepared an ark to fill the saving of his house by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. God, we know the story. We heard it in children's church and nursery. We've had it read at bedtime. God told Noah to build this big boat, this ark. And he told him it had never rained, but by faith, Noah built an ark. And I listened. He started on this in a dry land, and it took him 120 years to build this ark. Can you just imagine? I try to visualize everything that I read, and I just visualize the gathering. Maybe the first week as it started, as they got this big uh, main beam in, the, in this ark. Maybe the, there was just a few that kind of come and stood around and started laughing at him. What are you doing? I'm building an ark because it's going to send a flood down. It'll never rain. What's a flood? Rain. And it's going to come up and it's going to cover the earth. <laughs> You're crazy, old man. And I envision that in my mind. And I see as the ark being built, I see more and more people gathered around for the longest time. And while he's building, a, he's listening to all the insults and crazy words that's hurled at him. But he doesn't stop. He doesn't give up. He doesn't quit. And then in my mind, and this is just me now, okay? In my mind, after several years have gone of this, I see them all leave. This guy's crazy. Nothing's happened. It's not going to happen. So now he's out there in the silence, him and his family just building this ark. And as he's building that, Satan, you know, was there. No doubt. Everyone's left you but your family. They think you're crazy. The people think you're crazy today because you love God. You serve the Lord. Well, we know the story there, right? Because of that faith, God saved Noah and his family. Because of one man, the power of one. Because of one man, sin entered into the world. And just a couple more, and I'll do these quickly. You know these stories probably quite well. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Because of one man, sin entered into the world. As Romans 5, 12. As for as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Because of Adam. We won't go into the story of Adam totally, but, you know, he put him in a paradise, and God told him... Manage it, dress it, keep it. Just don't do this one thing. This one thing I don't want you to do. And he did, and sin entered into the world. 
and death passed upon everyone that's ever been born since. One man. The power of one. The power of one people, person. We read in our history books at school, we read in those history books about how one person started a movement, how one person did this, and we read about them year after year, and we hear about the great things that they've done. But listen here, what about the great things that you can do through Christ when we realize that we're able because He can do it through us? A power of one. One man died for sin, our sin, so that we could have heaven as our home. Listen to what he says here in Romans also as well. Romans chapter 5. And listen to what he says in verse 8. But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Go on down and read that about Adam again here in verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men for all of sin from Adam's transgression. But then God so loved the world that he gave his one son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What about you today? Do you believe in the power of one? Do you believe that you're able to do? God's not asking you maybe to do great things. Maybe God's asking you to do a little thing. But if we do the little things that God wants us to do, God is going to move in a mighty way. We're praying. We're praying that God will do this. We're praying that God will do that. We're praying. Listen here. God wants you to move. Let me just ask you this. As I was reading and studying the other evening, a thought come to me that uh, we've all said it probably. We've all probably no doubt said, well, you just can't see the forest for the trees. You've heard that saying? You can't see the forest for the trees. What about this thought? You can't see the tree for the forest. One. You can't see the tree for the forest. Has God placed one person on your heart? God placed a few people on. You can't see one for the forest? My friend, we need to get our eyes to focus to where we can see that one and have that one placed upon our heart. And that one is on our heart continually that we think about him. And let's just don't say, well, I'm praying about him. Don't say it. Well, I, I, you do need to pray, but you need to put feet and action to your prayers. You need to visit them. You need to call them. You need to send them a letter and let them know in your heart. Give them a little testimony there that you're praying. You need to do these things. Whatever God places on your heart and mind to do, that's what you need to do. The power of one. I challenge you today to think of what the power of you being the one. What God could do through you when you allow God to move in your life. Now I want to close with this. This number that's here today, no doubt there's people here 
that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Don't let what you call other Christians deter you from asking Jesus Christ as your Savior. Because you will have to stand before God. The Bible says we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Second Corinthians. Second book of Corinthians. When you stand before God, you won't be able to say, yeah, but the way, no. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, it's just through the power of one, Jesus Christ. He offers you his gift of salvation. And if I were to stand here and had a gift all wrapped up and called your name, would you come and get it? Yeah. Yeah, you would. God has a gift. His son, Jesus Christ, has got your name on it. He wants you to come and receive it. Does that mean when I get saved that I'll never sin, that I'm perfect in every way? The Bible says you're not going to be perfect until you awaken his likeness. Okay? No, you're not going to be perfect. You will fall, you will sin, you will come short because we battle here. There's a spiritual body inside a natural body. It talks about that in Corinthians also. But listen here, I want to tell you something. A greater is he once again that's in you than he that's in the world. And if you believe that you can do great things for God, God will use you to do great things. But maybe that's you and you... You knew when you, you can remember asking God to come in your life and, and you just kind of, like the sheep, just kind of wandered off. You've kind of went your way. Didn't mean to, you just, it just happened. He was calling you. I want you to come home. Just come. Say, God, forgive me. Forgive me. Whatever your need is. You need to join this church. I want you to come. I want you to stand right now. What about you? The power of one. Have you ever thought of what Christ could do when you truly said, God, I am available. Use me. Careless soul, why will you linger? One from the fold of God Hear you not the invitation Oh, prepare to meet thy God Careless souls Oh, heed the warning For your life will soon be gone While these are coming, what oh, about you? Oh, how sad what to about face you? the judgment Unprepared to meet thy God Why so thoughtless are you standing While the fleeting years go by And your life spent in folly Oh, prepare to meet thy God Careless soul, oh, heed the warning for your life will soon be gone. Oh, how sad to face the judgment. Unprepared to meet thy God. 
What about you? Do not the earnest pleadings One of step. your friends. You're battling right now, aren't you? Is that going over in your mind? You're battling. Before tomorrow, Satan don't want to tell you just no, don't go. Don't step out in faith. Don't step. He just wants you to delay soul. that so he can get you out of here. Oh, heed the warning. Thinking you have plenty of time. Can you tell me the date you're going to die, the moment you're going to die? No, you can't. That's why you need to come. Because if you don't, as he's singing, you'll be unprepared to meet God. If you spurn Last verse, what about you? Till the Spirit shall depart, then you'll see your sad condition. Unprepared to meet thy God, careless soul. Oh, heed the warning, for your life will soon be gone. Oh, how sad to face the judgment. I'm prepared to meet thy God. Hear the, uh, the earnest pleadings of your friends that wish you well. And perhaps before tomorrow you'll be called to meet your God. Careless soul, oh, heed the warning, for your life will soon be gone. Oh, how sad to face the judgment, unprepared to meet thy God. Jenny, will you come? Jenny's having surgery this Tuesday, and Jenny has um, been battling this for, let's just say, way too long in our mind, but there's a reason for it all. But as we dismiss this morning, we're going to pray for Jenny. For the hand of God to be upon her and knowing that God is able and God is going to do all things. Pretty tough surgery, but I know she's ready. Spiritually.